Welcome back to Clean Sweep, Elite Sports New York's Brooklyn Nets podcast presented by Elite Sports Radio. I'm your host, Danny Small, here with my co-host, Nolan Jensen. Nolan, how are we doing today? You know, despite not having power in my health for the last like nine, 10 hours, and despite wasting an ungodly amount of data on my iPhone, I'm doing really well, you know, for one reason in particular, I'm sure you already know, the Nets announced today that they're signing Justin Anderson, Danny. It's a beautiful day. Yeah, no, I know. I know you've been uh, you've been on the Justin Anderson train for for a while now. So when I saw that that Woj tweet come out, you were the first person I thought of. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so today in today's episode, we're going to talk about some of those roster moves. We'll we'll definitely get into Justin Anderson in a little bit, uh, and then we'll move on to some stuff with the schedule, the bubble, schedule, the bubble. You know, kind of just looking at the Nets and you know what they have coming ahead. But I guess first, the probably the biggest roster move. You know, no offense to Justin Anderson, but the biggest move is that Wilson Chandler is opting out of playing in the um, playing in the bubble and the restart. So I'll just throw it over to you, Nolan, um, sure. just for his exact quote um, for the reasoning. Yeah, I got the tweet pulled up here from Malik Andrews on ESPN. It says, Nets forward Wilson Chandler cites spending more time with his family, particularly his grandmother who raised him and three children as the primary reason for sitting out of the NBA's restart. Um, the writing was kind of on the wall with Wilson Chandler. Um, he obviously cited concerns with the bubble, uh, justifiably so. I have absolutely no issue with him skipping out on this and spending time with the family um, whatsoever. I just hope that Wilson Chandler is a Brooklyn Net entering next season. Obviously, he's a UFA this fall or whenever the hell the agency yeah. actually happens. Um, you know, for someone that didn't have the most efficient splits this year, I've actually enjoyed his presence, not just on the floor, but off as well, especially defensively. But he's a guy that sticks up for his teammate. He's a grit and grind type of individual. Um, if the Nets didn't assign him, probably a target with one of their um, MLEs. So I would hope that Wilson Chandler is still a Brooklyn Net entering next season because I, I like the intangibles. I love what he brings to the table. What do you think? Yeah, no, I, I think you, you kind of hit the nail on the head there. Obviously, this is his decision. So I, I don't think anyone can, you know, call him out on, you know, Skip, skipping out on his teammates or anything like that. I mean, this is a personal decision and, you know, none of us are in his shoes. So I can't sit here and second guess his decision. Uh, with that being said, I think this, you know, definitely puts the Nets in a tough position because they were already a little bit thin in the front court with Claxton uh, having, you know, to undergo sh shoulder surgery. So now the forwards they have are really, you know, to play the four, Torian Prince, Rodion's Kourouks, uh, and then, you know, now Justin Anderson probably going to slide to the four a little bit. Uh, mm -hmm. But the other thing for me, um, and I was actually writing about this today, the fact that there's only Jordan and uh, Jared Allen up front, if one of those guys gets hurt or, you know, God forbid, gets sick or something like that, 
all of a sudden they're very thin at, at center. Because Wilson yeah. Chandler, I know he didn't play. Like, it was very, very, very rare that we saw him. But occasionally he was used in that Jared Dudley kind of like that emergency five-man, you know, go real yeah. small. Uh, I think we've seen, you know, Rondé Hollis Jefferson play that role a little bit in the past too. Uh, I think it's tough to, you know, it's it's tough to fill that role and Wilson Chandler, you know, he's a big physical guy, you know, experienced. So he's been in the league long enough to, you know, be savvy on D. I think it's going to be a tough loss for them. And, you know, we'll get into expectations later on. I know no one listening to this pod is expecting the Nets to win a championship. Uh, but definitely, definitely a tough blow uh, to, to lose Chandler for the restart. Yeah, no. I, yeah, just reiterate what you quickly said completely agree with you um i'm not sure if justin anderson is thrown into that four spot i would i would assume so because just as you mentioned the nets are so paper thin in the front court Mm -hmm. um a guy i threw around on twitter actually as a potential flyer was jordan bell 25 i think he's uh his game is salvageable obviously looked you know a little better than he actually was in golden state outside of the finals last year he really struggled in the limited floor time he saw but you know just another rim running big has the slightest bit of potential as a stretch four which is something the Nets obviously like you know here's a team that was fifth in in attempts from beyond the arc this past season but you're completely right DeAndre Jordan Jared Allen I mean one small minute injury and all of a sudden we're playing Rodion's career to the five or you know what is Jared Allen gets in foul trouble early what is DeAndre Jordan gets in foul trouble earlier they are going to have to pick somebody up, you know, really quick. Um, a recent acquisition, I guess we'll kind of segue into this. Somebody that I, uh, the Nets have had on their radar for quite some time, Sean Marks, you know, infamously offered him a four-year, $50 million contract back in the <laughs> summer of 2016 just to be yep. matched by Pat Riley. And the heat was Tyler Johnson. So I have my own opinions on Tyler Johnson. We'll get into that. Uh, but how did you like the signing? Uh, like the signing? I don't know if I would say I like the signing necessarily because, I mean, I don't think I'm I'm as down on it as, as you are and, uh, yeah. you know, some of our friends on Nets Twitter for sure because uh, I know people are just not big fans of Tyler Johnson. But for me, I mean, it can't hurt. I mean, Theo Pinson was not going to give you anything at the restart. You know, I I don't think you could expect any, you know, kind of production out of him. So swapping him out for Tyler Johnson, I don't see that as, you know, uh, a negative at all. And then, you know, just the fact that I know people are very high on Chioza right now, but I mean, he's been a perennial G leaguer, you know, two way player type. He's been that way for a while now. Uh, You know, it, it is what it is. I wouldn't expect, you know, too much out of him, even though he has been really good in his short stint with the net so far. Um, but I don't like, I, I don't mind adding, you know, a, a guy who has shown he can be a capable NBA guard, whether that's, you know, point guard or shooting guard, he can kind of do a little bit of both, which I think that versatility helps. Um, but it's just, you know, it's kind of, it's a flyer, you know, they're taking a flyer on a guy who clearly Sean Marks has had, you know, really, you know, he's, he's thought highly of him in the past. So just kind of, you know, taking a flyer on him, seeing what happens. I don't hate it. Is it going to, is it going to work? Is it going to, you know, Tyler Johnson going to refine, you know, that, that form he was, you know, a few years ago when he was, you know, a solid NBA guard, I'd say probably not, but it can't hurt. I mean, the worst case scenario is 
Johnson can't play in the rotation because he's just, you know, he's just not good enough. And then you have to go with Chioza, you know, as your, your first guard off the bench or, you know, whatever um, the rotations end up being. But I don't think there's really much of a downside to this just because the swap was Theo Pinson for Tyler Johnson, which I think that is already a positive. I got a question for you as a Knicks fan. There's something that's circulating around Ned's Twitter. Would you rather have, as someone that you're familiar with, Tyler Johnson or Alonzo Trier on your rotation? I think probably Trier right now, just because for all of his faults, like Trier, you know, he's not a great defender, not a great passer, you know, doesn't really look for his teammates so much. Um, You know, there were, you know, reports that he was always the last pick in Knicks practices and scrimmages and stuff, just because I think the way he plays, you know, he's always looking for his kind of wears on teammates. But with all that said, he can make a bucket. Like, he can score. I mean, even, you know, I guess it it is garbage time a lot of the time he was playing for the Knicks, you know, this past season. But he goes in, you know, doesn't matter what the situation is, he can score. And I think with Tyler Johnson, if Tyler Johnson's at his best – He's better than Alonzo Trier. But I don't know if you're going to get, you know, Tyler Johnson from a few years ago. I think yeah. with Trier, you know you're going to get a guy who, you know, for all his faults, all the, his shortcomings, he can put the ball in the bucket. Like, that's that's not in dispute at all, I don't think. Um, it's just the rest of his game is that is all that stuff going to come together. It's kind of funny because Nets and Nets uh, are kind of intertwined here. Mm-hmm. We, we have Theo Pinson to make room for – Tyler Johnson, you guys wave Alonzo Trier to make room for Theo Pinson. Um, it was uh, – I, I wanted to ask because I kind of actually have the exact same stance, whereas Tyler Johnson, if he somehow goes back to that Miami form, he has not been the same player since the injury. Mm-hmm. He's obviously a player that can flow organically within an offense, probably better than Alonzo Trier can. But I think Trier's so, yeah. scoring upside, I mean, outside of just being friends with Kevin Durant, the kid's a microwave. Like, the kid is mm. an absolute walking bucket. Um, his per 36, 19 and three and a half assists on really efficient splits where Tyler Johnson's this past season were 12, same three and a half assists. Um, less turnovers, but still, you know, as someone that's supposed to be a combo guard, you know, a decent enough score and also a decent enough playmaker, kind of speaks volumes on where Tyler Johnson's been. These last two seasons, and Warren has only played 44 games, but you know it's it's not exactly something I'm over the moon about. Um, and the list of things I've I thought that the Nets needed, like that proverbial totem pole and undersized mm-hmm. combo guard, that offensively was one of the worst guards in the league. I mean, to the tune of marginally being better than Theo Pinson and his defensive metrics. I mean, again, like he was on the second unit with the Phoenix Suns. So it's kind of hard to judge them off that, but they were absolutely terrible. Um, you know, it's a flyer. The organization was obviously really high on him not too long ago. And all honestly, and all I can say is like, thank God that he matched. But if he shows out these next eight to 15 games, you know, if the Nets do make the playoffs, I expect them to, we can, you know, seven game series, he might have a shot at making his rotation next season. But as it stands right now, I highly doubt it. I'm not exactly too high on Tyler Johnson. I don't think I even asked you, man. How are you, how are you feeling about Justin Anderson? I feel like I'm the only one that talked about him thus far. I mean, I, 
I don't I don't like again, I don't think it can hurt. Like I don't know because right. he doesn't play a ton of four, which I, I still think, you know, we're talking about Trier, you know, we're talking about Johnson. I still think like a guy who can play the four and the five and you know, in a pinch play the five is something that the Nets probably need just because I am I am kind of wary of Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan playing every other day for, you know, these eight regular season games plus a, a playoff series. I'm wary about those guys holding up through that. Mm-hmm. So, like, to me, the Justin Anderson signing, like, I get, you know, I, I mean, I, I reread your article today on ESNY about him. So I get why, you know, we, we should be excited about him. But for me, I was hoping that, you know, that, that subsequent move right after Chandler, I was hoping that was going to be, you know, um, big. yeah, a, a bigger, and even, you know, you brought up Jordan Bell, even somebody like, you know, somebody like that, right. who, I mean, he's, I know he's not really what you would call a traditional five, but like mm-hmm. you can play around him at the four and the five there, you know, he's athletic enough to kind of play the five in a small ball pinch. Uh, so mm-hmm. something like that was kind of more what, what I was looking for, but again, you know, Anderson, it can't hurt. The only thing with Anderson is I always just remember him from when Marcus Morris uh, got it, got ejected <laughs> yeah, from. Uh, exactly what you're talking about. That, was, that I mean, uh, like me, like as a as a Knicks uh, Knicks writer who you know watches all the preseason games and stuff like that. that Morris was, is such a jerk, man. He that was yeah. That. that that was just I don't yeah I don't I don't know. It's weird because the Knicks like they. And I'm going off on a tangent here, but they have a weird history with getting into fights with the Wizards. Uh, and I think it might even have been preseason the year before, but Mitchell Robinson got into a, a, like a, a pushing match or like, you know, a, a stare down with uh, Markeith Morris when Markeith Morris was on the Wizards. So it's something weird about the Wizards and preseason games with getting into it with the Knicks. But yeah, that's my one. Storied lo- rivalry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. That's my, uh, that's right now. That's my, my lasting memory of uh, Justin Anderson. I hope he changes it in the restart. Like I hope he emerges as like, you know, a solid four off the bench who kind of provides some energy and stuff right. like that to me that I, I would love to see that. Um, but again, I'm not the Justin Anderson expert here. I was going to say, because Justin Anderson, um, kind of getting a second chance here with the Brooklyn Nets, a new beginning. But with Kenny Axon, he only got to play 17 total minutes. All those minutes were garbage time. He put up mm-hmm. six shots, went 0 of 3 from distance. I had a theory. I kind of mentioned this in a uh, podcast I did earlier with Jack Manuel and Nick Faye on Brooklyn Buzz. Kenny Atkinson, he was, in my opinion, my humble opinion, I think he was a pretty solid defensive-minded coach. I think he had some great defensive schemes. I mean, the Nets had an eighth-ranked defense. Look at the roster on paper. I mean, there's no fantastic individual defenders. Like, no Brooklyn Nets are going to make all defensive teams. So, but the flip side to that coin being, if Kenny didn't believe in your offensive potential, you were going to be condemned. I mean, you were excommunicated from the rotation. There was examples with, you know, David and Waba, first four or five weeks of the season, never saw the floor. Mm-hmm. Shump obviously left once Wilson Chandler came back from the 25-game PED suspension. So he never really believed in Justin Anderson, and that was illustrated through only 17 minutes of playing time. Now with Jacques Vaughn with a depleted roster, I think he's going to get – he should get more opportunity than what he saw in the uh, early parts of January here. I mean, he's a defensive minded wing. He's an absolute dog on defense. He's going to get at you. He's going to get in your grill. He's going to make, you know, life uncomfortable for you in a half court setting. 
Um, in the G League, you know, take it with a grain of salt, whatever. He did average 26.7 rebounds and 2.6 assists on, you know, pretty efficient splits. He shot 35% from three on 7.6 attempts. So if he can just be confident offensively, and especially if he can hit the three ball with the Brooklyn Nets, I mean, I think I said earlier, the fifth and three-point attempts, they love the three ball. He should fit in, you know, rather seamlessly. Um, again, that all depends on Jacques Vaughn actually giving him time. At worst, he's just another, he's just another body to throw it like a Siakam, mm-hmm. Giannis type, et cetera. You know, the physical, talented bigs that are spread throughout the Eastern Conference. Yeah, no, I mean, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I, I like no, it, at this point, you know, with the Nets, and I've, I've written about this kind of thing before, you know, I mean, no Kyrie, no Kevin Durant, like you're gonna, you're rolling with Dinwiddie and Lavert as your main two guys. Just, I mean, this is this is kind of like the old school Nets of like last season almost, you know, like right. hey, who knows, like maybe a guy like Anderson or Kuruks, you know, you know, one of these young guys who we're not expecting a whole lot out of. Maybe one of them, you know, emerges and has a nice little run here. And, you know, I don't think the Nets are going to beat the, you know, the uh, Raptors in a seven-game series. Uh, obviously, they would get smoked by the Bucks too. But and if they get that seven seed and they're playing against the Raptors, like, it would be nice to see, you know, Justin Anderson have a nice little series. And then the Nets say, okay, you know, he looks like somebody we can bring back and, you know, mm-hmm. be a part of, you know, Kyrie and, you know, KD's team if – you know, Anderson is this defensive-minded wing who can, you know, kind of come in and you can sick him on, you know, the other team's best player. I think even something like that coming out of this restart would be huge, huge, huge for Brooklyn. Yeah, and I completely agree. Um, Speaking of playoffs, the net schedule was announced. They got five of their eight regular season games left are going to be against sub-500 teams. The schedule is as follows. They got the Magic. Wizards, Bucks, Celtics, and a really nasty back-to-back. Kings, Clippers, Magic, and Trailblazers. So I believe they had like a six, six-and-a-half game lead over the Washington Wizards, something ridiculous like that. Who will be without Davis Bertans? So realistically, they only got to win probably two of those games to sneak into the playoffs, mm-hmm. which means that they would lose their um, lottery protected first-round pick to Minnesota. But then again, you know, the Philly pick, if Philly lays an egg, I don't expect them to, but that pick should probably parlay into like the 18 to 22 range anyways. So, I mean, you can, it's obviously not a, uh, it's not, it's not the same excitement and anticipation into this draft as like those of yesteryear, but I think there's some serviceable role players down the road. So I'm not really too upset if the Nets do lose that lottery pick would be a late lottery pick. I mean, they could still select you know, four or five picks later, if they even go that route, you know, they could honestly probably trade that piece. Um, I actually kind of expect them to, to uh, fill out the roster here mm-hmm. anyways. So, you know, how, how are you feeling about the Nets schedule? What are your expectations? If any, give us uh, yeah, well, yeah. give us your opinion on everything. Yeah. I, guess, I mean, I guess I kind of gave, gave it away a little bit, but I think for the Nets, what their goal should be is to avoid Giannis in that first round, which they have, they, yeah, they have a great opportunity to do it because you'd, like you said, you know, the schedule, they're playing some, you know, some lesser teams compared to, you know, 
if you look at some of the teams out west, their schedules are, you know, total bears. The Nets have a little bit easier time. And and the, the team that they're holding off, the Magic, they get two cracks at them. So yeah. if they if they go 2-0 and against the Magic, it's pretty difficult to see the Magic, you know, jumping them in the standings. So I think essentially for the Nets, they just got to try and get over the Magic get into a seven-game series with the Raptors because I've said this a million times, they're not going to beat the Raptors. The Raptors are just too good. But there's all – I mean, there's – yeah, there's always – there's, there's always a chance. And, you know, I mean, the Knicks in 99, I think – yeah, 99, they went on that crazy run to the finals as an eight seed, which I'm not saying that's going to happen. But in these shortened, <laughs> these shortened seasons and when things are, like, a little different, you never know. I mean – and I'm not like a God forbid, this is like the last thing I want to happen, but say, you know, Pascal Siakam, you know, gets hurt or, you know, gets sick or something like that. I think there's going to be weird shit going on in this bubble. You, I, you got to just kind of go into it with almost no expectations and just say, let's try and win every night when we go out there and see what happens because this isn't the Nets who are going to be playing for the next two or three years in Brooklyn. This, this is not the team that we're going to be seeing after this season. Mm-hmm. The guys are going to be fighting for, fighting for their lives. You know, I mean, Dinwiddie, even though he's traded himself about 12 times on Twitter, like <laughs> Dinwiddie's playing to see, you know, where he fits. LaVert is playing to see where he fits or, you know, are they going to trade those guys? Like Jared Allen, same goes for him. It's just, you know, kind of, the last hurrah 